Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor at Bike Radar, and joining me today is Alex Evans. How are you doing, Alex? Hey, really good, Tom. Um, just been busy beavering away on loads of tests, I guess, just like you. Yeah. I think uh, I think everyone's been pretty flat out recently. Uh, looking forward to a little. Oh, it's a bank holiday, isn't it? A week on Monday. Oh, God bless! Absolutely, <laughs> Easter, bank holiday Easter. Monday, Easter Monday, Easter Monday. We get a day off. Yeah. Um, and and the Friday, gonna... I think Easter Friday. No, is, is it that a thing? I don't know. Good Friday, maybe. I don't know. Sorry to anyone who's got any kind of religious um, <laughs> uh, leanings here, because <laughs> neither of us seem to have any knowledge whatsoever. But we do appreciate those who have the religious leanings for giving us both Friday and Monday off. It's great. Yes. <laughs> Thank um, you. What, what are you testing at the moment, Al? Uh, well, I've been testing drivetrains. I think we spoke about that a little bit in the last podcast. Um, but now I've moved on to thousand-pound hardtails or, or thereabouts, like a rough, a rough budget uh, indicator. So. Uh, should be good for people looking for bikes on the cycle to work scheme. I know there's a thousand pound limit there sometimes, so uh, keep tuned to MBK and, and BikeRadar.com for for a load of reviews on on hardtails. What, what what about you, dude? Uh, I'm literally uh, less than a week away from finishing Bike of the Year. Um, that goes on sale on the thirteenth of April, I think. So a little way away, but we do have to write well in advance. Um, so yeah, I've been struggling along with that. And then next, what have I got? I've got oh, I've got the stiff squatch hardtail, 
Mm. Uh, which looks absolutely rad coming in for a first ride. I think I've got a Revel bike coming too. Um, oh, wow. And uh, the Orange Switch 6, which I'm not very good at saying. Orange Switch 6, um, which is sort of, I think it's sort of a longer trail, uh, a longer travel mullet bike. Um, so mm. that's arrived at the workshop. So I'm actually quite looking forward to testing all of those. Um, all quite different to my Child Bike of the Year bikes, which is no bad thing. Yeah, that uh, the, the stiff squatch is uh, what's that? A twenty nine er sort of agro hardtail, isn't it? Yeah, it looks super rad. Um, should be quite um, a good sort of back to back with my Marin Elroy, which is my mm. long term uh, in MBUK. So, yeah, um, awesome. Some hardtail struggling on those, I think, down some steep hills <laughs> is my plan. Everyone loves the struggle. Hey, uh, yes. have you got any um, kind of little secret? sort of insight into the body winner maybe could i tease anything out of you oh the body winner it's too early for that but this year has been uh you know hopefully you'll all follow bike of the year when it comes out and hopefully you'll appreciate that it's been really hard this year both in terms of like the quality of the bikes but also the actual bikes that are on offer um it's been very very difficult to put together um a test and um yeah, it's been an interesting test, um, but let's just say the winners are probably going to come from the direct sale brands um, because basically that's all that's been available for us. Um, uh, and yeah, it's been tricky to hit those uh, the three and a half thousand pound price limit again. Supply issues is just making everything so much trickier this year. Um, hopefully, uh, Trail Bike of the Year twenty twenty two will be back to how we sort of are used to running it. Um, but hey, you'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it's a, it's a lovely problem for, well, it kind of is a lovely problem for manufacturers to have, uh, you know, selling out of absolutely everything. Mm. Um, so, yes, it'll be interesting, won't it? Yeah. Fingers crossed people will actually be able to buy your Trail Bike of the Year and Enduro Bike of the Year winners. They'll certainly be able to order them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for delivery at some point in the next five years, I'm sure. <laughs> But yeah, no, no, no. They're not all um, direct sale bikes. Um, certainly in the enduro category, there's plenty you can buy from your local bike shop. And in my trail bike category, there are bikes you can buy from your local shop too. So don't worry. But um, yeah, it has proved easier to get, or, or it's proved possible, maybe that's a better phrase, to get bikes from from the likes of, you know, your Canyons, Propanes, that kind of company. But that's where we're at. It's 2021. Blimey. Right, speaking of where we're at today, what we're going to talk about today is... Well, we're going to look back. We're going to look back at some of your and some of my most notable or memorable bikes um, from the past, well, it's 20 years, 21 years of riding for me now, and I'm guessing it's fairly similar for you as well, Al. Yeah, I'm, I'm rubbish at maths. Uh, what's the date? What's the, what year are we in? We're in 2020, 2021. 2021. Okay, so I, I'm going back to 1997. Bloody hell, wow. Um, uh, not as my first mountain bike, but definitely as my first memorable one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, yeah, quite quite a quite a bit of history. I suppose for I suppose for some people we're still quite new school, um, mm-hmm. but then for others we're we're old history. We're probably yeah. uh, destined for the destined for the this big skip in the sky <laughs> uh, soon, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's 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 plenty of bikes. We're, we're going to talk about five five bikes each because. That's kind of what we do in these podcasts, it seems. Um, pick five things. Um, so yeah, why don't, let's crack on at the start, the early days. Um, what, what, what is your first sort of most notable bike? Okay, so like I said, I'm rewinding to 1997. 
and I think maybe my top lip was just sprouting some some little <laughs> little hair at some point, and I was you know I was a a, a young lad, um, and uh, my first full suspension mountain bike was the giant box one. Now I don't know okay. if anyone remembers this. Uh, it was I like don't. a Y frame. Okay, so you don't remember it, Tom, but it, it was a it was like a Y frame full suspension bike. A URT jobby, so the bottom mm. bracket was on the on the rear triangle. I think that's right. I really hope it is. It, it seems um, yeah, to be I'm pretty sure that's what a URT would be. Yeah, a unified rear triangle. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it and it had um, it had like a bright uh, bright blue front triangle and a yellow rear triangle with yellow RST three eight one DH forks, which were the triple clamp. Elastomer sprung nice. boot. They had like plastic rubberized boots over the stanchions, um, and it had Magura HS11 hydraulic rim brakes. Oh well, wow. not even the HS33. Oh no, the HS11s, which I think wow. had like four finger brake levers. <laughs> so you were like a, a full a full hand just to just to get stopping. And and basically, being my first full suspension bike, this thing absolutely blew my mind mm. it, it really took me into the world of gnarly extreme riding at my local local riding spot which then was puddle town forest puddle town um, i've been to puddle town yeah. wow yeah, I, th- I think it's actually is it's, it's kind of gathering a bit of momentum at the moment i've seen as a yeah. pretty good scene there the likes of ben deakin uh, also local to puddle town who've been riding there for years but i think you know quite a few guys are, are going there out of choice now so yeah anyway th- th- this giant box one I was ripping the trails up on it. I remember it was like on one of the first couple of rides of it and uh, there was like a big a big timber stack in the woods. And um, I was like, yeah, can ride over that, easy. Rode over it, straight over the handlebars, broke my wrist. <laughs> knocked me out, knocked me out for six weeks or whatever it was, um, off the bike. And, and, you know, my love, even despite it kicking me off, my love for that bike never waned. Um, wow. Beautiful thing, beautiful. Speaking um, of, I've got a, a Puddle Town anecdote, actually. Myself and um, Russ Burton, or Russell Burton, who's one of our regular photographers, uh, we used to shoot down that way quite often because he, he lives um, fairly close to them. Then, then we, we'd travel a bit further down. Um, and there's some good little sh- um, spots to shoot at. Um, in terms of sort of popularity and rise in popularity, we noticed quite often that there's a lot of cars sort of would circle past uh, the uh, our parking <laughs> spots. Yeah, often we'd get quite funny looks. Oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? And we we we, we realised. I, I did a bit of googling. We left there and we're like, "Hang on, why is this so popular?" Turns out that Puddle Town is one of Dorset's um, or Devon's most popular Dorset. dogging spots. Um, and yeah, a lot of men were looking at us from their car because they thought we might also be um, flashing our interior lights when, in fact, we were just taking photos. All right. <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely a, a premier tourist destination for those looking for a bit of a risque activity. Um, <laughs> to, to kind of just just go off complete tangent and continue on the the theme of uh, dogging. Uh, one time when I was out digging in the woods, you know, as, as I was as a young lad, I found a, a small packet of pills with maximum virility written on them, <laughs> and next to the pills was a set of false teeth, some, some dentures oh, no. on the floor. <laughs> Um, so I mean I, I don't know what what could have possibly happened there. My my imagination isn't isn't anywhere near crude enough, um, but I'm sure maybe some people might be able to fill in the blanks. Well, there we go. Good old pedal town. That's where you started your riding career. That's yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
my um, I think the start of my my mountain biking was a little more um, placid. Okay. Perhaps, um, I think it was when I was when I was like twelve or thirteen. I always cycled a lot as a kid. Like my family are very um, quite eco, I guess, and we never drove anywhere in 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 York or anything like that. And so I always had bikes from when I was young to get to school and that. And uh, I think I wanted a an Apollo from Halfords as my next bike when I was twelve or thirteen because um, it looked really cool. Again, Y frame, full suspension looked pretty looks pretty cool. And I think to be fair to my dad, he realised that you know not to speak down on Apollos and stuff, but it probably wasn't going to be the most um, wasn't necessarily going to be the best bike in the world. Most suitable, um, maybe for a young shredder. Quite, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I guess at this point, I probably wasn't even a shredder. Um, I was I was hoping to get into it, I think, um, but in my in my village there was a uh, it was kind of like a bike shop sort of it wasn't even a bike shop it was basically a guy who had a workshop and he fixed up bikes and he had like loads of old parts like just loads and loads of parts it was like a, a weird little emporium of of, of random bike bits um, and I I guess I was one of those weird like annoying kids who just basically hung out at the local shop. Um, just watching making um, a nuisance of yourself making a nuisance of myself he didn't seem to mind he was a real nice guy called Mike West um, and anyway I, I ended up <clears throat> he had a, a mountain bike frame in there of unknown um, providence so I wear providence providence anyway we don't know what providence. it was <clears throat> but um, it basically was an, it was an elevated seat stay frame. So um, instead of having like a chain stay that went from the BB out to the rear axle, actually the BB the the rear chain stay started midway up the seat tube. Looked a bit weird. Um, anyway, I bought that. Um, we fit it up with lots of different bits. I actually went one by on my first mountain bike. Oh, wow. um, but it was one by with a BioPace chainring. Okay. Um, if you remember those um, first oval chain rings that Shimano bought out in in the nineties at some point, I think. But basically, they got the ovality of the chain ring wrong by ninety degrees, <laughs> so it's actually harder to get the chain or, or the cranks over the the dead spot at the top and bottom of your stroke. But anyway, I built that. Obviously, it didn't work very well with a chain guide. I also bought um, surprise, surprise, um, uh, and yeah, had V brakes. Um, and I slowly sort of upgraded that. I ended up putting a pair of, I think there were Mizuki Z3s on there. Um, but it was a straight steerer, obviously, back then. And it was also threaded. Um, so I had to get right. these forks um, turned to give them, because it was a threaded headset, because we didn't know any better. We just didn't know that that you know, wasn't really even a thing back in 2000, it would have been, I guess. Um, anyway, I spent a lot of time riding around my little village, Bishopthorpe, on that no-handed because I was really good at riding non-handed um, and it's the only skill I ever learned as a kid. I didn't do wheelies, I didn't do jumps, but I rode non-handed everywhere. Um, so that was it was a lot of fun. That shop now, Mike West sadly, um, I, I'm, well, I don't know I don't know sort of what happened there, but Mike West isn't running it. But now in that same place, um, there's an excellent little bike shop called Twisted Cogs, I believe. Um, and it's a really great little shop. Um, so there you go. But that was my first bike. We don't even know what it was. Had elevated chainstays, looked a bit kooky, and I ran it everywhere, non-handed. Great times. And it got me to where we are now. I mean, you know, what, what, a, what a great place to start. And, you, you know, the thing there that stands out for me the most is the fact that, that you had the steerer tube threaded in order for the frame, you know, in order for the forks <laughs> to work. Sorry, not the steerer tube, you know, the, the fork the, steerer. The fork steerer, yeah. Yeah, threaded in order to work with the bike. I mean, that's genius. That's absolute yeah. genius. 
You know, my next bike didn't um, was still a pair of Mazokis, but fortunately didn't need to be um, mangled in such a way that was basically made them useless for anyone else. But, hey, doesn't matter. You know, when it's your when it's your your baby, your little baby. Can, can yeah, you remember yeah. what, what color it was? It was black. Black. Um, oh, yeah. No logos. I had a club roost handlebar with like. Um, you know that brace they used to put across to make it look like a, a moto one? Oh, yeah. We um, all know that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. Um, from there, I went on to a, a Marin Pine Mountain, actually, which is my first proper mountain bike, and I bought that from York Cycle Works, another real good shop. Um, and that was wicked, was that bike. I've still got the frame somewhere, I think. So is that your number two? Or is or is this maybe it's not a my, cheeky... It's not my number two. That was just a cheeky little, uh, a little extra on the side. Yeah. A, a bonus 1.5. A bonus 1.5. That was my first real mountain bike. Yeah, that was a uh, Marin Pie Mountain. It was great. Right, let's let's do number two. What was your, what was your second one, Al? Okay, so second one for me uh, is is I went went from a full full set and I downgraded to a hardtail. Hey, it's I not always actually... it's not a downgrade. It's not a downgrade. It's just a change. Exactly. So this was going to be my question: Did I actually downgrade? Well, no, I don't think I did. So it was a 1999 Planet X Jack Flash. Classic. Which was in bright orange and it had like twenty gussets on it. You know, on, on like every corner of every tube, there was a gusset. Um, and uh, in order to not break the triple clamp fork thing, I had a pair of RockShox Judy XLTs on there, mm-hmm. um, which were considerably plusher than the RST381 DHs that, that they replaced. Um, obviously, you know, being, being RockShox. Um, and I had a Hope C2 front brake. Um, nice. Which were the the ones with like the upright uh, reservoir on the yeah, on the yeah, lever, yeah. Um, and you you had like a special Hope bleed kit that you you used your pressure from your tires in order no. to bleed the brake system. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So so you'd you'd plug one end of the bottle into to your tires, you'd open right. the valve, you you'd then fill it with oil or something, I can't remember the exact procedure, screw on the thing onto the reservoir and onto the bleed nipple, and basically it would just bleed itself. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, really, really good. Um, And then obviously on the rear it had a a rim brake, uh, but this time I upgraded to the Magura HS33, so I went went full race line as well, so the bright bright yellow ones. and uh, then there were a few little setup quirks because, you know, back then, I mean, you only had one bike to do everything. Mm. And everything included trials, street riding, dirt jumps, downhill, cross country, um, and every other discipline in between. So we had a trials bash guard with like a 22 tooth um, mm-hmm. uh, chain ring. Then we had a road bike cassette just to help even the gearing out a little bit. Um, downhill tires obviously, mm-hmm. and then a seat post that wasn't really cut down so you could raise it right up and do and do cross-country riding. Amazing. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, that was really, really quite an interesting looking bike. Um, but there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that, that you know, that was like the, the giant box one, you know, might have kind of got things maybe pointing in the right direction. But this thing was like, right, I'm going to be a mountain biker mm. or a trials rider or a dirt jumper. Or a downhiller. Yeah, or a... yeah, but definitely I want to be a mountain biker. Um, and it was like, you know, yeah, sorry, go on. No, go, go, go. 
And, you know, it was like everything was from hucking off five-foot walls to flat on tarmac to, you know, going up Puddle Town again, maybe finding less maximum virility pills, but <laughs> finding more jumps um, and, and a bit more sandy. Uh, and then I remember um, I did my first ever race on this thing. Hmm? Um, in the, what was your first ever race? So it was, uh, it was at Bratton, which is just outside Minehead. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was part of the NACC event Southwest Series. Um, I can't remember what the NACC stands for. Newton Abbott Cycle Club, I think. And basically me and my dad had got wind that there was a race a race going on there. We didn't know what time it was. We didn't know anything about anything. Basically, we turned up like at 11 in the morning on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, the race had been going on since 8. Um, so I didn't have any time to practice. Entry had closed. I didn't really know what to do. Um, but I begged and pleaded with the guys and they let me do one run of, mm. of the track. Um, and that was my first ever not race race. Um, and that that kind of, you know, I was like, oh, racing. Yeah, mountain biking. So everything is thanks to this Planet X Jack Flash, basically. You're quite um, uh, a dark horse when it comes to racing because you, you, you've, you've been all right at racing bikes, haven't you? I, I was all right, uh, probably at best. Quite a few okay. years ago is is maybe you know if we're being we're being realistic rather than uh, rose tinted glasses looking back on a on a star studded cast of history <laughs> uh, it's definitely not that <laughs> um, mm. so yeah I have to say the um, when when the good ship bike radar sails out of my life which you know like I mean, I'd love to be here until I retire but who knows what's going to happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna create a system that bleeds my brakes via the power of tire pressure. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued. I like that. It's genius, right. isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah. like uh, how many times have you been there with your I don't know. Let's let's pick on Shimano just for two seconds. I'm really sorry, mm-hmm. Mr. Shimano. Um, you've got your little bleed cup screwed into your reservoir. Mm. You've pulled your little plunger out. It's got oil mm. in it, mm. and you're there, and you're flicking your lever blade and squeezing mm-hmm. it, and bubbles are coming out for hours yeah. on end. And you know the system is airtight and you know there shouldn't be any more bubbles in there. But somehow bubbles are coming out of the thing. Well, maybe yeah. if you had tire pressure, maybe... Just blow it through. Just Maybe, as long as it didn't go wrong and just blow a load of air into your system. <laughs> You'd have to work something out. Yeah, I mean, I think that the science is maybe beyond us. So maybe our dearly, dearly <laughs> departed colleague might have a have a solution for, for the science behind it, but... R.I.P. Seb. <laughs> yeah. God bless. Maybe that's what All Easter's right, well, about. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, Seb, Seb returning to bike radar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'll, I'll speak to Casimir about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Industry people. Uh, anyway, right. Sorry. Number two. Your number, number two. two. Come on. Yeah. Number two. Okay. So, so while with number one, I talked about my first ever bike, um, and I dropped in a cheeky little second in there. Number two is not just one bike. It's a, it's a it's a group of bikes. Um, I went to university. I spent um, four years pedaling round Fife, um, which actually was great. Uh, I, had a, I had a great time there. But I, um, I I think I went through nine different bikes at university. Wow. Um, all sort of second hand and. I'd buy one, get rid of one, whatever it was. This there is was with one your cons- student loan, yeah? Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> a new bike every time the loan came through. <laughs> um, 
But um, I, there, there was one constant bike all the way through. In my, in my, I took a, a year out between college and, and uni, and I worked in a sweet factory. Um, and I treated myself to a custom-built frame um, by a company called Solitude Cycles, who sadly don't make bikes anymore. But it was beautiful, like um, Reynolds 853, custom geometry, all that sort of jazz. Not that I knew anything about geometry at the time, but whatever. Uh, also, it seemed I didn't have a crystal ball when I spec the bike because I got it spec with a straight steerer tube. Oh. I got it spec with a twenty-seven-two seat post. Oh. I got it spec with twenty-six-inch wheels. Oh. <laughs> and I basically got to uni and realised that my my bike was tragically out of date already. Um, but I still love it. I, I've, it's in my garage um, right now. The frame is still there. But anyway, I spent a lot of time at university riding single speeds. Um, uh, single speed, mostly hardtails, but not exclusively single speed hardtails. Oh, right. um, so the two, uh, other than the Solitude, which ran a mix of single speed and with a Rollhoff um, hub at the back, um, less said about that, the better. Uh, but anyway, um, it's my personal unpreference. Um, but I had um, I had a on one inbred. So this was my first oh, yeah. 29er. Um, and my first single speed, and I loved that bike. It was like um, it was the white steel one with the steel forks. Um, it, you know, like it was fairly cheap. I didn't pay much for it, but what made it really cool was that legend has it at least, and I don't want to confirm this hundred percent, but I'm ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure it previously been owned, being owned by Joe Burt, who is the guy who um, is the cartoonist behind Mint Sauce, the long running cartoon in MBUK magazine that's still going. Anyway, the frame and fork was entirely covered in mint sauce doodles. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's They're awesome. genuinely pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those bikes that if I look back on it now and I think, why did I not keep that? Because um, oh, I had it for like a, a year no. and I flogged it for either less or not much more than I'd paid for it without really realising it's some kind of historical value, yeah. especially given that now, you know, we work on MBUK and he's still going with, with mint sauce. But... Um, the other single speed that I had, and I, again, like I, it was really cool, and I had HS33s on this, was a Kona A, um, which was a Kona's single speed full suspension bike. It's my first ever full sus. Um, so the main pivot, it pivoted, pivoted around the bottom bracket, um, so you didn't have to use chain tensions or anything like that. It pedaled terribly. Of course. Um, but it was hilarious. Uh, I had a really good time in it. But again, I didn't keep it for very long, sadly. Um, but yeah, I, I still look back on that with rose-tinted fondness. Oh, um, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of shredding were you doing on the on the Kona A? Well, we had to, there's a, a wood near St Andrews um, called Kemback Woods, and it, it genuinely had some really good little trails on it. Like nothing super gnarly, but like really beautiful, flowing woodlandy tracks. We used to go there like once or twice a week um, to go ride. Uh, yeah, we just like just mucked around in there, like little bomb holes, little jumps, lots of beautiful flowing tracks. It was great. Still going strong. Like I follow um, University Cycling Club on on Instagram, and they're still shredding Kemback to this day, fifteen, twenty years later, whatever it is. Yeah, nice. So yeah, you're you're pioneer in many senses of the well, maybe not. I mean, the one by drivetrain from your your first bikes definitely definitely a pioneering moment in cycling. That right was there. yeah. Um, and and owning Joe Burt's Joe Burt's personal on one 99999999 percent sure um, mint sauce doodled yeah. forks. <laughs> Please don't sue me, Joe, if you never owned that bike and someone was ripping off your mint sauce doodles. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. 
Right, let's move on. Let's move on to number three. Um, all right, nice and snappy then. Uh, this one's maybe a little less interesting. I, I don't know. I quite liked it. So, the two thousand and five Giant Trance Two, which mm. uh, if anyone remembers it, it was a black frame with kind of like little red and silver squares on it, and the rear shock mounted to a cage type thing at the very bottom of the down tube. Um, it was one of the first bikes to have Giant's Maestro. Um, suspension say, system yeah. um, and I tell you what I absolutely love this thing I bought it as a cross-country bike to begin with um, and over the course of its life and I owned it personally for seven years until 2012 wow. um, it basically got downhillified I think that's maybe mm-hmm. a maybe a word that's a great um, phrase yeah, so 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 it had like had like Rebus to begin with, and a triple chain set, and you know all the other sort of non non downhilly things, um, and I ended up putting a pair of the pikes on it with the travel adjuster, mm-hmm. um, and then it had like big disc brakes at the end of it, a chain device, a one by drivetrain, um, and and th- this poor little bicycle that should have just had a life of cross country bridleway tootling, shall we say. Ended up being like ridden in in the Alps for where, where I lived for quite a few years during the ownership of this bike actually, um, on all of the downhill trails basically. <laughs> so you know my downhill bike could be broken or I wanted to go for a cross country ride, um, and, and those obviously listening to a podcast c- can't see me there doing the inverted commas um, <laughs> on their screen uh, over the words cross country, um, and and little trancy as I called it. Uh, was a, a staple in my bike garage for, for seven years. And then, and then in 2012, um, I, I sold the frame and, and forks to a friend. Uh, I, I can't remember how much for, but it probably wasn't much more than 200 quid, I wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I know, uh, that that friend then rode it for the next three or four years. Wow. Um, so that bike, 2005 Trance, had a, basically a 10-year lifespan. Fair play. Um, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, and, and the only thing I can ever remember going wrong with it was the, the rear shock once got stuck down, um, mm-hmm. which is when the air in the air can gets inverted and the, the negative air chamber gets super pressurized. And all you've got to do is slip the air can sleeve off, undo it all, open it out, fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was literally it. The only yeah. mechanical. Frame didn't crack, didn't snap. Mental. Not to your knowledge, at least. Not to my knowledge, no. Yes, yeah, so, sorry to my friend who bought it in in 2012. <laughs> but <laughs> I was say, a couple of hundred quid, he got. Did he get ripped off there? As a... Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I was, I was trying to. Yeah, wondering where maybe actually uh, I saw him coming, or he saw me coming, or he saw himself coming. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, amazing little bike. Uh, I mean, if if they made them now with slightly more modern geometry, um, would I buy one? Don't know. Probably couldn't afford it to be honest. I'm a bike journalist, but. <laughs> You could give them one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you go. N- n- number three, Trancy. Nice. Yeah. Well, my number three, I didn't actually remember what my number three was, but I thought, um, given what we're doing now um, for a job of being at Bike Radar and MBUK and actually Cycling Plus, and if we actually want to go back all the way, also what mountain bike, RIP, yeah. uh, Urban Cyclist. T two twenty was it we had yeah uh, and CN so all the cycling titles um, pro cyclist pro cycling jeez yeah I don't yeah. know if I've actually wrote anything for pro cycling probably not anyway by the by yeah. um, I review bikes so I thought I'd dig around to try and find my first ever bike review and it turns out it was a Kona Satori um, from twenty thirteen 
Um, wow. I did a first ride and video review on Bike Radar. It's still there. I gave it three and a half stars out of five, and it cost £2,899. Which I um, think for back then is probably quite a fair, fair yeah, wadge of, fair wadge of money. Yeah. Um, so the Satori, uh, I, I went on a trip. It was my first ever launch as well. So I started in February 2013. Um, so I would have gone on this launch in March, um, which probably absolutely blew my mind, by the way, that yeah. here I am a month into a job and I'm already firing my way to Cercedilia in, in near Madrid in Spain. I don't even oh, know wow. how I remember that. Wow. Um, on a free holiday. On a work trip, Alex. Yeah, sorry, it's sorry, those inverted commas there again for those that can't <laughs> see this on here, through their ears. I had, a, I had a wicked time. That was a great trip. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it was my first. Um, and yeah, Satori. So let me see if I can find um, a little bit of... Uh, this, is one, this is probably one of the first bits of bike journalism I ever did. You'd expect this bike to ride well in all situations, and for the most part, it doesn't disappoint. At £33, 14.8 kilos, although it's not the lightest bike in the world, the 29-inch wheels and 26 by 36 lowest gear make climbing on a range of surfaces perfectly acceptable. In trail mode, pushing a higher gear out of the saddle does induce energy-sapping bob, but with a shock in climb mode, this is mitigated. You've just got to remember to switch it on and off. At speed, though, the hitting short power climbs in a lowish gear, even in trail mode, it was a very capable climber with rear wheel with the rear wheel offering plenty of traction on looser surfaces. Wow. I mean, to be honest, that's probably something I could have written last week. <laughs> I, I was about to say, have you copied and pasted that review for the last uh, how many years is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Eight years. Eight years. Jesus. Yeah. That's a that's a solid, a solid, um solid bit of review work there, I'd say, actually, for your first for your first attempt. That's yeah. not bad. I mean, looking at um, looking at this review on uh, online, it's actually probably longer than most of the reviews I write these uh, write these days. So, <laughs> either because I've got more succinct in what I'm trying to say, or <laughs> I just don't more, write uh, very long reviews anymore. More, more jaded, maybe is more another jaded. another way. There we go. Um, but sadly, there's no um, there's no verdict, highs, lows, buy if. Um, but yeah, there we go. That was my first ever. Oh no, uh, a versatile machine ready for the big hits. There you go. Hey, yeah. I tell you what. If if I had however much money it was, which I won't, because I'll, I'll just say again, I'm a bike journalist. You, you've almost convinced me to buy one. Go get one. 2013 yeah. Kona yeah. Satori. It yeah. really is a versatile 29 and ready for the big hits. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. I'll buy a DeLorean first, get it up to 88 <laughs> miles an hour, and then we'll see. <laughs> there we go. Right. Let's let's hit number four and number five, Al. What have okay. you got? All right. Well, I'll, I'll do. Them, I'll rattle them both off nice and quick for you right, people. On, yeah. You're probably getting bored now anyway. Um, <laughs> no. I, I need some. Please need don't some get coffee. bored. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> Um, so uh, n- n- number four is the 2011 Obeya Rayon, mm. I guess is how you say it with a Spanish Rayon. accent, R3, yeah. which uh, was actually, uh, it was, was kind of like the first proper trail come enduro bike that Obeya had made um, mm-hmm. and was actually one of the first on, on the market that looked looked pretty good. Um, it was mighty capable, actually. I was really quite, quite surprised. And um, what this bike did is it, it replaced Trancy. So mm-hmm. it was like a real step up in the world from a 100 mil travel uh, cross-country trance to a proper, you know, trail bike. 
Um, and it was also the first bike I owned that I bought with my own money, I, I will add. This was before I was a bike journalist, so I had money. Um, <laughs> uh, it was the first bike I ever owned that actually had a dropper post. Um, and it was an externally rooted reverb. Mm. Uh, of, uh, my God, you know, where have, where had dropper posts been yeah. all of our lives up to that point? Um, it, that Satori it, would have been the first bike I ever rode with a dropper post. Yeah. Yeah, same same era basically. It's the yeah. same sort of era of bike, and um, yeah, you know, suddenly, oh my god, there's a climb. Oh look, my seat's up. Oh, I'm on a descent. Oh, my seat's down. Oh, what? I haven't stopped. Mm. You're like scratching head. Suddenly, your flow state, man, is like <laughs> at next level. Um, and you know, the the bike's amazing on all terrain types, and has some pedal induced bob that can be mitigated with a climb lever. <laughs> Just don't um, forget to turn it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, number four was that 2011 Orbea Rayon, um, yeah. which was which was really good. And then and then swiftly into number five um, is is my 2013 Scott Gambler downhill bike. Mm. Um, now I got this when I was working for the Chatel Bike Park in in the Port de Soleil um, as mm-hmm. one of the the trail builders there and um, one of the bike bike patrol guys. Um, and part of the deal was we'd get bikes, uh, and, and this was it. And um, the Gambler from that era was really adjustable, like really, really adjustable. It had a couple of different chainstay positions, and you could you could slacken the headset out with a, I think it was like a minus two or minus three degree headset wow. cup even. So my one, back in 2013, <clears throat> with 26-inch wheels, 58-degree head tube angle. No. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Now, that also meant it had a 1,288 millimeter wheelbase. And I remember this because I measured it and I was like, wow, that's long. Mm. Um, And and this is back in 2013. And people were looking at me like I was some sort of mental case riding this thing. Um, But when trails got steep, fast or rough or all three of those things, holy moly, that thing could fly. When it was flat, it was terrible. And you were going slowly. It was virtually unrideable because of the head angle being so slack and the steering flop associated with that. Um, But my God, that thing was like, it was crazy good in the Alps. Really, really good. Um, So yeah, I think those two bikes like marked like another turning point in my life where I could Mm. see, you know, firstly with the dropper posts and owning a really capable trail bike. And then secondly, with a downhill bike with bonkers geometry uh, which still actually looked quite bonkers now. Yeah, um, do, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like really opened my mind to what what was possible. Yeah, no, fair play. Yeah. All right, well, um, um, <clears throat> I'll do my four and five quick. This, my fourth one was, and I've talked about this bike numerous times on the podcast because it made such a lasting impression on me. I think it's a 2016, maybe 2017 Transition Scout in carbon. Oh, yeah. It's a 27.5-inch wheel bike with 100 and... 15 or 120 or 125 mil of travel at the back, not very much, paired with like a 140 or 150 fork. Um, it was a long-term bike I had for what mountain bike, RIP. Um, <coughs> and even now, it is still the bike I effectively benchmark off. Um, wow. It was, so it had like a, its geometry was, if you saw the geometry today, it would still be fairly okay. Yeah. 460 reach. 66 and a half, I think, head with like a 150 fork. 
Um, 27.5, 430 stays, I think it was. You know, like, had quite That's a low BP. That's for a short travel trail bike. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and it just absolutely ripped. I spent so much time riding that bike. I took it out to the Alps. I did a lot of time in the Alps. I actually left it in the Alps for um, a summer um, after it had been my long-term bike. I went out for a holiday. I've got a friend who runs a guiding company there called Bike Village. A little plug. Uh, great. I left it there at the start of the summer. And I was going to collect it at the end of the summer when I went for my second holiday there of the summer because I, I love it so much. Um, two two holiday Tom Marvins, what they call you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I think Sam out there did actually rag the bike quite a bit in between as well. Um, I ended up, it was a beautiful spec in the end. I had some Pike Ultimates on there. I had some fast forward carbon wheels, Ooh. nice groups. So it was it was a really absolutely wicked bike. Um, that then lived in my garage for a little while. Um, and then I got a call from Max. Uh, Max, well, Max is one of our videographers at Bike Radar. Um, and he had to send his uh, 2020 long-term bike back to Saracen. Um, he had a, was a Zenith LSL, I think. Yes, it was, well, yeah. Um, he really liked it. Um, and he was like, oh, mate, do you know of any, like, uh, I've had to send the bike back, do you know of anything that's knocking about? Anyway. I was like, well, I've got this transition scout in the garage. It just needs, it needed a mech hanger, I think, um, and maybe something else. Um, and yeah, and now, I mean, Max is a little shredder. Like, he's yeah. wicked on a bike. Um, and he's riding it now, absolutely loves it. Um, so it's real cool to see that sort of still living and breathing. I, just, oh, I had a coil, I put a coil shock on it, on like a 120 mil bike. It was oh, so yeah. cool. Was, was that the Cane Creek you put on there? Yeah, yeah, put the Cane yeah. Creek on, and it had the climb switch, so yeah. it actually wasn't that bad. And that it was just stuck to the floor, and it was so, I think the thing I loved about that bike, I've got all, all emotional, it was just so fun. Like literally every ride I had on that bike, I came back absolutely buzzing for mountain biking. And for me, that's what like a mountain bike really should be. Like I'm yeah. not interested in racing, like I race occasionally, but I don't, really care like for me like a bike's got to be fun and I think that's why you know like I've had lots of discussions about really long bikes which are great in some ways but I just don't find them as fun you know it's just like it was fun oh look anyway. at that look obviously you'll keep saying this because it's a podcast but I think I can actually see Tom's eyes uh, <laughs> just just kind of watering up there in the corner a little bit so good yeah I love that bike and speaking of bikes that I absolutely love Number five um, is the Lauf True Grit. So it's a gravel bike. I, I, don't, think you've, I don't think you've mentioned the Lauf True Grit before. <laughs> I don't ever, think I've Tom. ever mentioned I'm, it. I'm no, sure. no, 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 no. Um, it's, the, it's a gravel race bike. Um, it's Lauf are an Icelandic company. Um, they first launched, uh, it must have been like 2015 or something like that, with like a, a leaf sprung 60mm uh, mountain bike suspension fork. Um, I went, uh, I, I got one in for review. It wasn't great for proper what I would call proper mountain biking, even cross-country racing. I raced it at um, Fort William, uh, Relentless 20... It was either Relentless or 10 Under the Ben, like a 10-hour race under the Ben. Anyway, it was too flexy. Didn't really work, but from, but anyway, down the line, I kept in touch with those guys. They appreciated the review. Um, they've now moved into more of a gravelly kind of brand. Anyway, the True Grit, I first rode it a few years ago now. Um, and it's a gravel bike. It's got a 30mm suspension fork at the front. Um, it just makes it super fast, but it's still quite an aggressive race bike. It's not like a like a big sit-up, comfy yeah. gravel bike for spending all day on. Like it's quite an aggressive bike. Um and I love it. Um I've now on my I've got a long-term bike for cycling plus which and bike radar, which is a true grit. So there's um, a report online already about that. Which which model is that? Isn't it the uh, super ultra bling? No, 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 no. I've got the I've got the week no, the race AXS. 
Um, so it's the second tier one. Um, so comes o- only with... SRAM access. Nothing, you know, no, yeah. nothing, nothing too, nothing too posh. I mean, like their direct sale brand. It is relatively good value for what it is. You know, you get some. Uh, it's got the new um, E13 carbon wheels on there. Uh, it's got just yeah, launched. Um, for, just launched yesterday. Um, I've had them for a, a little while. Um, it's got Force One um, AXS group, but with a, an XX1 rear mech and a 10 to 50 um, cassette from SRAM mm-hmm. as well. So it's quite a wide range one by. Uh, I absolutely love it. I like I happily. Last weekend, I spent. I did like an eight and a half hour ride on it. I just love it, yeah. um, and that's the bike that you know, I've been doing trail bike of the year. So I've been riding a lot of trail bikes, which is amazing. But at the weekends, this is the bike I've wanted to go and ride because mm. I just love it. It's just so different. And, and as as a bike tester, that's probably one of the biggest accolades you could mm. ever give a bike. Is what would you ride in your free time? Because you yeah, know, yeah. obviously, have access to so many different bikes, um, and you know, it must mean it's truly, truly special and fun, and you know, yeah. you love it. I mean, it, it, it's it, on, on that sort of note, you know, this is one of only two bikes, three bikes I'd consider buying. So at the end of the year, you know, like I, I, I'd try and keep hold of, of the Lauf. I'd, I'd offer them, you know, I'd buy it off Lauf happily. Um, the other is a Marin Elroy, my MBUK long term this year. Like, again, I would happily buy that off Marin. Um, when I sent the original test bike back, I was like, well, I'd, I'd buy it. So, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd probably offer them, what, like 50% of your annual salary, which, uh, if my maths is correct, that's 100 quid. <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> we do it for the love. Yeah. Uh, uh, and um, an e-cargo bike from Reason Muller. Um, I would have bought that. Um, oh, sadly, got stolen. TBT to the Reason Muller, yeah. Yeah, RIP. Anyway, there we go. Great. That was absolutely. That was brilliant. That was absolutely fantastic. I've, you know, you, we've both clearly, and you, you, you know, you've got a real heritage in in bikes and i guess it's mm. the reason why we're here doing all this pro bono work um <laughs> <laughs> we do we do get paid for this. just to point it out we're not we're not actually it's not slave labor at the hands of immediate media just for, just in case the lawyers are listening <laughs> yeah we're just just teasing oh are we no we are <laughs> but yeah but yeah so yeah i guess that's well that's more than 10 bikes that we've yeah, over the years we've ridden and, you know, there is quite a variety in there and, yeah, we're, we're both uh, very lucky to have been able to do so, I guess. Yeah, I guess also I'd like to just say thank you very much to anyone who's managed to listen to this for its entire duration. Um, yeah, well done. <laughs> and if, if you have, oh my God, please do let us know via email or, I don't know, some other medium of communication what your bikes are because actually it's it's really interesting in hearing the yeah. stories behind them. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll put um, an article on bikeradar.com um, yeah. with this uh, podcast embedded. So head to Bike Radar, head to the homepage, you'll find it there. Or even head to the podcast tab on the Bike Radar homepage mm-hmm. where you'll find a list of not all, but the vast majority of the podcasts we've done. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and you can always comment on the articles there. I mean, it'd be great great to read about it. Uh, I'll see if I can dig up some photos of those bikes for mm. you. Um, yeah, no, I shall also likewise do the same. Yeah, it could be quite interesting. Wicked. All right, Al. Well, thanks ever so much for, for your time today. Um, we'll do another. We've got another one all lined up that we can get done. Um, so we'll, that'll be out in like four or five weeks. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, keep the tuned. Meantime, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> yeah, it is killing you. Um, in the meantime, do subscribe to the Mike Radar podcast. Um, we do with them every Monday. Um, and there's a wide variety of podcasts coming up, um, which I won't preview because I haven't got the planner open and I can't remember what they all are. But they will be great. So subscribe to the Mike Radar podcast and thanks for listening. Thank you.
Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.